from Washington, D.C., the swamp itself. This is the week's worst with Allen and Vedum. I'm Dr. Stephen J. Allen, Vice President and Chief Investigative Officer of the Capital Research Center. And I'm Matthew Vedum, Senior Vice President of Capital Research Center and Editor-in-Chief of BombThrowers.com. And I'm Jake Klein, media producer at the Capital Research Center, and I'll be moderating this podcast in which we dig through the news for stories we think are the most outrageous, the most ridiculous, the worst. Um, So on August 11th and 12th, white supremacists had a uh, protest-turned-violent riot over the planned removal of a statue of Robert E. Lee from Emancipation Park in Charlottesville, Virginia, in addition to sparking conversation about the growing extremism in America and political violence, it has raised the urgency over the national conversation over the removal of Confederate monuments. In reaction, the city of Baltimore removed all of their Confederate statues in an overnight operation uh, the night of August 15th. Also on August 15th, Protesters toppled the Confederate uh, Soldiers Monument in Durham, North Carolina. Eight individuals were arrested in connection with that action. So first things first, these statues are deeply offensive to many African Americans, and many argue they spark division by encouraging people to hold on to some of the worst elements of our nation's past. On the other hand, Uh, These are historical monuments that remind us of where we've come from, be that past, positive or negative. Uh, So what should we do about these statues? Leave them up or take them down from public spaces? Well, I grew up uh, in the South. I grew up in a a county that's uh, considered by some uh, political scientists to be the most Southern uh, culturally of any place in the country, any county in the country. And uh, it was in Alabama, which is the only state that currently has Jefferson Davis's birthday as a state, an official state holiday. Uh, There's also a Confederate War Memorial Day and also Robert E. Lee's birthday, which uh, uh, they continue to uh, celebrate, although now it's combined with Martin Luther King Day, of all things. And uh, this has been an issue my whole life. Uh, I grew up uh, at a time when uh, civil rights workers were being murdered. Uh, I remember four little girls being blown up in a church in Birmingham when I was a child. I remember that day. Uh, and, you know, this is something that uh, as as a kid coming up and, and declaring myself pretty early on to have Republican sympathies, uh, of course, I was bashed by the supporters of the Confederacy uh, who were Democrats. Uh, they saw the uh, statues as uh, and the, all the memorials, and I think there are 1,500 or so memorials around the country uh, to the uh, Confederacy in one way or another. Uh, but they saw these as uh, being symbols of, uh, of, of the white supremacy, of the Democratic Party rule, um, as, as well as the lost cause myth. So, uh, you know, I, I happen to, I, I know this is supposed to be a, a left-wing thing to be very critical of these statues, but frankly, uh, the idea of, uh, I, I don't want to tear, tear them down because I don't want to be the Taliban. I want to destroy this, the signs of our history. Um, but 
I think we need to do something about them. And, uh, you know, some of them should be moved to museums. Some of them should be uh, uh, treated in other ways that uh, make sure that people understand the history. But I can certainly, you know, people say, well, oh, African-Americans see those and they're offended. Uh, well, hey, anybody who's not for slavery should be offended. Uh, so uh, uh, that uh, that to me is just uh, it's just a, a something that uh, is at the core of my being. And uh, now I see, unfortunately, uh, that this cause is being hijacked by people who uh, uh, you know want to use it to at- attack people like me who believe in free speech. Uh, and that's the real danger that we have right here, is this is being turned into an explicitly anti-free speech effort that anyone uh, who defends the right of people to speak uh, is somehow defend. well, you're defending the right of white supremacists to speak, so you must be a white supremacist. And that goes to the core of what this country is all about. That's what the left calls McCarthyism, isn't it, Steve? Well, they call anything they don't like McCarthyism. Right. So that's, speci- uh, it's kind of hard to say. Specifically, when you stand up, that's an example of it. You're accused of uh, guilt by association. And uh, if you support something, um, it, it's like saying Charles Lindbergh Lindberg during World War II was objectively pro-Nazi because he was an America firster. Right, which uh, a group that also included John F. Kennedy and Gerald Ford uh, right. and uh, Potter Stewart it's and a, it's uh, a leap in Brewster, logic. Brewster, the future president of Yale. Now, I am also, I, I don't think that we should be like the Taliban and dis- destroy all this art from our past, but there are a few particularly egregious examples that uh, of statu- statuary that probably should be torn down. Uh, I would not put Robert E. Lee on that list. He was not a particular, particularly fanatical Southerner. I don't think he owned slaves. I think that he just was loyal to his home country, which he considered to be Virginia, and uh, and was sincere and is one of the most is probably the most beloved general of all time in the United States, at least in the. Um, uh, prior to the modern era. But th- there are some statutes, like, for example, of Nathan Bedford Forrest, which was uh, up in some, uh, maybe it was somewhere in Tennessee or something, some in one of the southern states, and he's the founder of the Ku Klux Klan. And you have to wonder, why was a statute even put up of this fellow in the first place? And that's really egregious. And, you know, if uh, I, I don't see why it, there should be such a statue. And if the local uh, voters um, don't think it should be there, I think it should be torn down. I think it was torn down. And he was also involved at, uh, he, he was at Fort Pillow, uh, which is considered one of the great war crimes in history, the uh, murder of African-American soldiers there. Uh, and of course, Nathan Bedford Forrest uh, went down to uh, from Tennessee to Alabama after the war and recreated the uh, the Democratic Party, helped uh, help get the Democratic Party going again uh, in Alabama following the war and during the uh, Reconstruction period. Uh, so, you know, he, he's a particular villain. A- as some have pointed out, there are different levels of, of uh, evil uh, involved in the Confederacy, uh, and uh, this is something we should discuss. Um, Robert E. Lee, was considered a hero by many, not because he was the uh, the general that uh, that led the army of uh, uh, Northern Virginia and basically the army of the Confederacy, uh, but but because he surrendered and did not 
continue the war by guerrilla warfare, which could have kept it going for decades. And so people saw him as a unifying figure. He died, I think, in 1870. So he didn't live outlive the war by very long. Uh, and that uh, allowed people to sort of have this romanticized idea of Robert E. Lee uh, and uh, make him an acceptable figure. But, you know, the thing is, this is part of Democratic Party uh, ideology. Uh, and I go back to uh, Woodrow Wilson that here locally in D.C. Uh, in the uh, in Arlington, Virginia, which actually used to be a part of D.C. Uh, the um, in in 1914, President Woodrow Wilson dedicated a uh, a monument there, uh, and uh, the, the the event was held the day after the birthday of uh, of Jefferson Davis, uh, and and Wilson said, "My privilege is this, ladies and gentlemen, to declare." This chapter in the history of the United States closed and ended, and I bid you turn with me with your faces to the future, quickened by the memories of the past, but with nothing to do with the contents of the pa- contests of the past, past, knowing as we have shed our blood upon opposite sides, we now face and admire one another. And the same thing was said by Jimmy Carter, more or less, when he uh, restored the political rights, posthumously, of Jefferson Davis, who had never apologized. In fact, he he was uh, urged to seek a pardon when many of the Confederates were getting pardons after the war, and he turned it down based on the fact that he, uh, he was not ashamed of what he did. He fully supported what he did. And yet Jimmy Carter and a Democrat-controlled Congress uh, restored his citizenship rights and uh, again made the, made the argument that our nation, our nation needs to clear away the guilts and enmities and recriminations of the past to finally set at rest the divisions that threaten to destroy our nation and to discredit the principles on which it was founded. That's what Jimmy Carter said. So the hypocrisy of a lot of these people now, uh, you know, the Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton uh, had one of the, uh, the stars uh, in the uh, Confederate flag, uh, designated as the star representing Arkansas. He, uh, he ran with Al Gore with their, their faces were put on, uh, uh, on buttons with the Confederate flag in the background. All these things happen, and uh, people are, I think, uh, removing that from history. We're supposed to not remember that any of these things occurred, that it was the Democratic Party that really saw a benefit to this uh, uh, Confederate identity. Well, that, but that bring, gets us to the heart of this issue. So Nathan Bedford Forrest, you know, clearly horrible human being, should be taken down and moved. Robert E. Lee, more, um, uh, more complicated figure, uh, maybe some good stuff there, but at the same time fought for the Confederacy. Sure. And so how do we know, you know, where do you draw the line? Because you have to draw it somewhere. And Jeb Stewart uh, was a famous Confederate general, but after the war led African-Americans uh, in order to try to uh, uh, basically enforce Reconstruction. So how do you judge somebody like that? Well, it, it, the, the problem is that this bleeds over into other things and you have someone who wasn't even alive for the civil war now um, and i'm talking about thomas jefferson al sharpton wants the thomas (laughs) jefferson memorial here on the tidal basin here in uh, washington dc to be torn down or relocated or what have you because he's offended by the fact that thomas jefferson had slaves, and he believes the the unproven allegation that Jefferson fathered children with one of his slaves, uh, Sally Hemings. Uh, his wife's half-sister. 
Right, and there's uh, there was DNA testing done, and it showed that it could have been Thomas Jefferson or any of two dozen of his male relatives, cousins, and uh, so on, who who could have fathered Sally Hemings' children. So it's not it, it's not even proven. But Al Sharpton is not exactly a voice of reason, and uh, he wants the symbol representing this great man, Thomas Jefferson, who like any mere mortal, uh, had his flaws. But this is the principal author of the Declaration of Independence. This is the man who wrote, I have sworn eternal hostility uh, against every form of tyranny over the mind of man. This was a great figure from the Enlightenment, a true Renaissance man. I'm mixing eras there. And uh, uh, just a great great thinker, and a great president, founded the University of Virginia, uh, wrote the Virginia Declaration of Religious Freedom, uh, and he he just had has so much gravitas and so much of an influence, almost all of it positive on American culture, and yet because he had slaves, Al Sharpton, and some of the kookier figures on the left want to get rid of this treasured national monument well, here in it, D.C. it's beyond that. I mean, Jefferson, as governor, tried to abolish slavery in Virginia, uh, and uh, they, uh, he, he wrote that he feared the wrath of an angry god over the existence of slavery. Uh, this was in his draft of the Declaration of Independence, uh, one of the charges against the king of England, that the king of England had, uh, in, had put a, an economic system in place uh, in the New World that involved slavery. Uh, and so clearly, this is someone who opposed slavery, but was trapped uh, in a system. Uh, slavery was the system worldwide in one form or another. And in fact, of course, is still alive today in places ranging from China to Kuwait. Uh, and, uh, and, and so he is the person who, along with the other members of the Committee of Five who were drafting the Declaration of Independence, uh, Sherman and Livingston and John Adams and Benjamin Franklin, they essentially came up with the idea. They didn't originate it, but they were drawing on some of the great philosophers and also on the resolutions that have been passed at local levels uh, in favor of uh, independence from Great Britain. They put together this document, the Declaration of Independence, which for the first time ever in any sort of major way um, declares that human beings are by right equal. I was talking to a friend of mine who's uh, very well educated, went to an elite school, uh, has a doctorate, and uh, and hates Thomas Jefferson because Thomas Jefferson owned slaves. And I said, well, you know, he had the idea that slavery was bad. What do you mean? Well, it was Jefferson and the committee, the committee of five that came up with the idea that slavery was bad. Before that, there was no moral justification in terms of anything that was openly discussed publicly, certainly no one in political power had ever said that slavery was bad, that aristocracy was bad, that one person being different from another, treating, treated differently by the law, that that was bad. They came up with the idea. I said, so basically you're saying that their hypocrisy in not uh, you know, immediately freeing their slaves, and of course some of them couldn't uh, because they were uh, encumbered by debt, so they legally couldn't do it. But uh, that this was uh, because some of them uh, were hypocrites, that this overrides what they came up with. Well, then, you know, what about Jesus? I mean, Jesus accepted the existence of slavery. 
uh, and tried to work within that system because uh, essentially there's, you know, at that point in history, slavery was the standard system uh, around the world and, in fact, was when uh, uh, when uh, the founding fathers started this country. Um, and most of the slavers were uh, were Africans. They were uh, Arabs and Mus- Muslims, uh, two groups that overlap, and, uh, and they were Latinos. <laughs> so nobody blames them. And, in fact, the, even the transatlantic slave traffic to uh, what's called British North America, or what we now call the United States, uh, was about 3% of the total just to the Western Hemisphere. So it was, it was the system that existed, and they fought against it. They created a mechanism. They deliberately wrote the Constitution in a way that it would eventually bring about uh, the end of slavery by having a ban on the um, international slave trade uh, that took effect later on. So, you know, and, and, and this is what Abraham Lincoln said. Abraham Lincoln said, we are fulfilling what's in the Declaration of Independence by making sure that it applies to people uh, of all colors and all races in this country. Uh, and he went back to the Declaration of Independence. That's the whole point, ideologically, of the Civil War. Uh, it was that this was fulfilling the vision that Jefferson had. So the idea that now we're going to get rid of Jefferson, you know, look, you that is the ideological basis for this country. And the idea of human rights, if you believe that the First Amendment and freedom of speech was just created uh, by a bunch of slave owners, and therefore you can toss it out and not have freedom of speech, um, then uh, if a lot of people believe that, and apparently a lot do, uh, many in the media, uh, and uh, this uh, Antifa group that led the attack on the neo-Nazis, apparently, uh, that, uh, that caused the violence in Charlottesville, um, and are doing, you know, throwing feces bottles at police officers in Boston, and did the same thing in Phoenix, and did the same thing uh, in Berkeley. Feces, and, feces come in bottles? Uh, I uh, thought it was urine. It, well, urine, urine in <laughs> bottles, feces, I'm sorry, urine okay. in bottles, feces in balloons. Right. Um, and it was funny, Katie Couric uh, is there now apparently working for National Geographic, and, uh, and she actually said that two of her producers were hit by the, uh, the urine that was being hurled. Uh, but she had no idea who did it, even though this is exactly a trademark of the people who, the violent protesters who came there to uh, confront uh, the neo-Nazis. So basically it's one group of scum confronting another group of scum. But of course, we're only allowed to talk about one group of scum. And if you dare mention the other group of scum, then you're scum yourself. So, okay, so presumably, and I'll get to a question on this later, but we do want, you know, Thomas Jefferson to be memorialized. We seem not for the most part, to want Confederate soldiers to be memorialized or KKK members. Um, so quick, quick question for you. Can you think of, do we have any monuments or statues of pre-Revolutionary War British figures? Well, many of the counties in Virginia I can think of are named after, uh, you know, after pre-revolutionary British. Well, the, the state that well, is the Commonwealth of Virginia yeah. is yeah. named after good Queen Bess, Queen who, Elizabeth who, I, called yeah. the Virgin Queen. Who was a slave Virginia. trader. Okay. Who was but, a slave trader. So Virginia is named after a slave trader. Uh, and, okay. and so that it depends be, what that you mean the by monument. Yeah, okay. So uh, let, me, um, let me clarify, you know. I, 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 I can see your point. I think yeah. you're saying that, well, we've kept the names of people who were on the wrong side of the Revolutionary War. We didn't go around renaming everything. No, no, no. In fact, I was going to make the opposite point. So 
you know, I live next to Lee Highway, which I presume is named after Robert E. Lee. So. I think they're already yeah. planning to change that. Oh, really? Jeff- no, well, Jefferson Davis Highway, I know in Virginia, I think yeah. they announced that they're well, going to change that. Well, but my point where it was Which go- is outside of Washington, D.C. Where I was going with that is I can't think of any statues, any major big statues for the pre-Revolutionary War British. And that's typical when you lose a war. You don't get to put statues up of your leaders. After the Nazis lost in World War II, for example, uh, Germany was forced to remove all Nazi symbols. Uh, So forgetting the impact these statues have on people today, maybe that's a rational place to draw the line. They lost the war. Maybe we shouldn't have these statues. Does that make sense? Well, a lot of it. Look, look, look. except that in America, states are at least theoretically sovereign. So they can honor they and their people and uh, their creatures, the state, this the um, uh, local governments can honor whomever they wish. I want to add, um, not all pre-revolutionary uh, uh, figures were wiped out. There is, or at least was until they renovated it, the, a statue of the great English legal thinker, Sir William Blackstone, uh, who wrote the revered commentaries on the laws of England, which all of the founding fathers essentially uh, revered, and his statue is up at the E. Barry, uh, e. Barrett Prettyman Federal Courthouse down near the Department of Labor, uh, in, unless it was moved. I recall seeing it there before they did the renovations. And, you know, there there are some figures around, so there wasn't... Um, I don't think it's necessarily that there were figures uh, that were torn down. They just weren't. Um, they just weren't put up. Uh, and I, I don't think America has tried to erase its British imperial past. They just accept it as the past. Uh, and you know, it's really hard to compare King George the Third and those who served before him as the British as the British sovereigns to um, Confederate leaders or to Nazis or to you know genocidal killers. There's you, there's no comparison there. Your example's a little sideways because imagine a, an alternate universe where uh, the British won the Revolutionary War. That is, the the United States was not allowed to secede. Uh, then what would and, and and let's say there was an effort to. Uh, assuage the colonies to say, okay, now you're being accepted as as British citizens again, uh, and we won't have recriminations against you. Maybe we'll hang uh, George Washington, but we won't go uh, far beyond that, won't hang all the soldiers and so on. Well, I think they would have also drawn and quartered him back in those days. Well, but I'm just saying that's that's what this—we're comparing this to something that didn't happen with regard to the Revolutionary War. In the case of the the Civil War, um, Abraham Lincoln, uh, one of the last things he did, his— second inaugural address. Um, he uh, talked about uh, bringing the country back together uh, and that that was always his goal. And uh, so the, the memorializing of the Confederacy was sort of, uh, was mainly in people's minds, the idea that, uh, well, we had a disagreement uh, and uh, we got over it and now we're one country again. You even see this in, you know, Ken Burns' Civil War series, which is considered sort of the the, the benchmark for uh, something written uh, and produced about the Civil War, and uh, and and it ends with the 
the um, uh, grainy footage of a, a memorial, or I'm sorry, of a, of a reunion between a Confederate and, uh, and Union soldiers. And they have long white beards and they're walking on canes and they shake hands. And, and, it's, uh, and, and, and I think the last lines in the, in the program are about, you know, it seems like it wasn't even real that we had this, this conflict between brothers. And, and so that was the attitude. Uh, and, and that allowed... That allowed uh, the South, uh, the, the the unreconstructed Confederates, to um, to thrive. And eventually, in 1877, they kicked out the Yankee occupiers as they were seen. And this is stuff that I was taught when I was in school. I remember reading uh, in fourth grade, reading Alabama history, and it was all about how the Republicans and the and the African blacks they would have said then, or Negroes they would have said then. That would have been the polite term uh, that they took over the state and they just bankrupted the state. And fortunately, the Democrats rose up and and undid that. And that's also kind of the theme of Birth of a Nation. Woodrow Wilson, of course, uh, showed that at the White House. It led to the rebirth of the Ku Klux Klan in the 1910s. Uh, and so, um, uh, you know, this is, uh, the, the idea was to bring the country back together and forget about all that stuff. And then the rash, uh, this of all things, the Southern Poverty Law Center, who are often uh, terrible, terrible people and basically a hate group, but sometimes uh, even the bad guys can come up with statistics that seem to be correct, and I believe they're correct about this. That is that uh, most of the memorials were constructed during the uh, the late 19th century when the Democrats were, well, they don't say Democrats, of course, but when the Democrats were trying to to, to uh, reimpose their power, there had been some uh, votes for uh, populist uh, Republicans and so on in various places, and they wanted to, to quash that. So in Alabama, for example, in 1901, they rewrote the state constitution to disenfranchise uh, blacks and, and, and basically disenfranchise the Republican Party. Uh, and so, uh, uh, but, and then you had another rash of uh, Confederate memorials going up in the late 1950s and going into 1962. And again, I mentioned how this was never an issue um, until recently. Fritz Hollings, who was the governor of South Carolina, put the Confederate flag in 1962, I believe, over the South Carolina Capitol. And uh, when he ran for president in 1984 as a Democrat, this was never an issue. I can't find if, you know, please someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't find any example of him being criticized for this. And in fact, uh, in South Carolina, David Beasley, who was a Republican governor who removed the Confederate flag from atop the state capitol and put it over to the side on the Capitol grounds, uh, the Democrats used this as uh, as a weapon against him, and he was the only Republican in the last 30 years defeated for governor of South Carolina, and it was because he had removed the Confederate flag. And of course, it was Nikki Haley, who's now the UN ambassador, who was the governor who finally removed it completely from the uh, from those grounds. Well, wasn't wasn't there some insight that? Penn Gillette had recently on a TV show uh, uh, about uh, presidential statuary. Well, yes, there was, Matthew. So I was watching real <laughs> well, time. Well, funny you should uh, mention that. <laughs> well, I, I was watching real time with Bill Maher this past Friday. There's Fridays on HBO. And uh, one of my favorite libertarian uh, commentators, he's a fellow at the Cato Institute, and he is also Las Vegas's best magician, Pendulette. <laughs> I have uh, seen who, him perform Who there. spoke at the same Mensa convention I spoke at oh, recently. Oh, did he? Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. Um, so he was asked about this whole statue thing going on. And, uh, the, you know, because Trump had said earlier, and we talked about it earlier on the show, that um, 
you know, does this lead to people wanting to take down statues of people like Jefferson and Washington and stuff like that? And, and uh, Pendulet responded, well, you know, that wouldn't be so bad. It's not really about America to deify our leaders. Why should we be building giant monuments to presidents? The idea of America was we didn't have a king like Britain did. And uh, it's a country of the people, not a country about deifying uh, political leaders. And I thought that was a good argument. I thought that was a very good way of looking at it. And I sort of agreed with that, even though I'm not actively calling for pulling down any of these statues. You know, what do you think? You know, Jake, at first glance, at least, I find it very difficult to find fault with the argument. America is not supposed to be about the worship of graven images. Uh, we're supposed to be about ideas, the spirit of America, this, the spirit of freedom and individual rights. That said, we do have statues of some people who should be revered, but I think it is a good general... And the idea of taking down the Jefferson Memorial now... Uh, it doesn't strike me as a good idea, but at least in principle, uh, I think he's right. We, uh, we should not be um, attaching such importance um, to the people who temporarily hold the levers of power, having been put in those positions of authority um, uh, by the people to hold that power and trust. Um, they, they shouldn't be revered, at least not just because uh, they served as president of the United States, which was not even intended to be that powerful a position uh, when, they, when the position was designed at the, um, uh, the great constitutional convention in Philadelphia in 1787. Uh, they did not, you know, there was not, no such thing as an imperial presidency back then. The president was a powerful leader, but nothing um, like he is today was ever envisioned by um, the, the men who met at Philadelphia. Yeah, and, and I would say, you know, that, that's an argument or a version of that is, is what I often say with regard to the um, the presidential libraries, which are these huge monuments to, to presidents, uh, some of whom are completely, you know, mediocre individuals, and some of them are corrupt and so on, and, and yet they get their, um, they get their big uh, presidential libraries as if they were some sort of, you know, pharaoh, and this is, uh, we're going we're gonna to build the Sphinx in honor of, uh, of Bill Clinton or whoever it is, uh, and uh, often, of course, in the case of the Clintons, it's mainly used to get uh, contributions from foreign countries and and, and for other uh, corrupt purposes, but uh, yeah, you know, look, we, we do... Uh, worship too much our political figures. Uh, and I remember uh, even, oh gosh, 30 years ago, there's a, there's a friend of mine who's in politics who actually got inspired as a high school student by a speech that I gave. And in the speech, one of the main points that I made was you should uh, you know, go to Washington, get yourself in a situation, uh, go to a political convention, go get yourself in a situation where you can actually see some of the major figures that you see on the news every night. Uh, and uh, I was a big uh, uh, 
uh, admirer uh, very much of Milton Friedman, for example, who later won the Nobel Prize for Economics. But when I met him, he was just this little guy, and it, it has nothing to do with how big he was. It was just I realized he's a human being like the rest of us, and, and maybe I shouldn't have in the sort of hero worship that I think was building in me. Uh, and the same with other politicians. When you get to meet them and you get to have dinner with them uh, or, or you at least get to be in the room with them, uh, you, you see that, uh, that they're, they're just regular people. And I think that's a good idea that we stop doing this I was up close worship. to Milton Friedman when he was alive. At a Cato banquet, and he was—he wasn't even anything close to five feet tall. He, I would have thought seriously, right. and I'm not a tall person, but I towered over him. He wasn't a a uh, dwarf because he had <laughs> the, the correct proportions, but he was a tiny little man, four foot something, and his wife was even tinier. I wanted to add one further thought I just had about the Jefferson Memorial. The Jefferson Memorial isn't really honoring Jefferson for his presidency, even though his presidency was pretty good. Uh, he uh, rid the uh, Mediterranean of the Barbary pirates uh, in the, uh, the first war against the Islamofascists. That's right, in 1803, and uh, and that was a good thing. And um, you know, he did a number of things. Louisiana Purchase was 1804 during his presidency. But Jefferson himself was not enamored of his own presidency. In uh, If you look at the long list of his accomplishments, he didn't think it was important. His epitaph on his grave at Monticello makes no reference to his presidency because it didn't matter in the scheme of things to him. It references the fact that he founded the nearby University of Virginia, that he wrote the Declaration, uh, at least for the most part, of the, the Declaration of Independence that created the United States of America, and that he was the author of the Virginia Statute on Religious Freedom. Those are the things that mattered to this fellow, and I don't think the Jefferson Memorial... Uh, venerates his presidency at all. He was a larger-than-life figure, and it honors him and his contributions to the United States of America, but, but not really as president. The greatest things that he did were outside of his service um, in the White House. Well, the other thing is that that's kind of, I guess, would this be ironic? Uh, and that is that the Democratic Party was really pushing for the Jefferson Memorial because Jefferson was seen as the founder of the Democratic Party, uh, and uh, sort of the co-founder was uh, Andy Jackson. And uh, and they would have uh, Je Jefferson Jackson Day dinners around the country, which some places still do, uh, as as ways of promoting the Democratic Party. Uh, and so now they're caught in this trap, I think, where. Uh, the Democrats have to explain why they worked so hard to promote uh, Thomas Jefferson and uh, and Andrew Jackson, uh, and now those are going to be branded as uh, as you know criminals of the past. Well, th this brings me to another topic. So, Matthew, you wrote an article about uh, Sharpton wanting to take down the Jefferson Memorial in Front Page Magazine and it reposted at bombthrowers.com. Lovely. Um, and, you know, none of us, as we've, as we've said, are big fans of Al Sharpton. But there was actually one point he had that I thought was kind of valuable that you quoted, which was that upkeep, upkeep, uh, 
upkeep of these monuments is supported by public funds. It's the taxpayer paying for them. And so whether, you know, you just hate Confederate statues or if you might hate, you know, the more mainstream ones like the Jefferson Memorial, is it really ethical to have the taxpayer be paying for these things? Doesn't it go against the American ideal of free speech to force the American uh, taxpayer to support monuments to people they don't support. But these these are, I suppose, but these are trivial amounts, um, you know, to keep up the national parks that, that have these monuments in them. Um, you know, on some level, perhaps he's right. Uh, and if you did... Um, uh, if the government did withdraw its financial support for the upkeep of, for example, the Jefferson Memorial, I have no doubt that nonprofit, uh, that foundations would, and wealthy philanthropists would step in to donate uh, to keep it going, as they do with many of the things in our society. But I, I actually disagree with that because oh, I think oh my God. I think anybody. Um, no one wants to touch this. And uh, the, the, one of the purposes of the way this, these protests are being treated is to completely stigmatize the idea that uh, these uh, statues should remain in any form. And again, I'm for getting rid of them over time and in a, in a judicious way and, uh, and, and thinking about it as we do it, because I appreciate uh, how uh, hurtful this is to anybody who doesn't believe in slavery and so on. Uh, but but um, there, 62% of the American people, according to one reputable poll, uh, said they should the statue should be kept for historical purposes. 27% said take them down. And yet the impression is being created in the media that if you say, as the president did, that there are some good people on the side of keeping the statues, well, you're just a monster. You're basically a, a Hitler worshiper, and you need to be uh, run out of town on a rail. And I, you know, and nobody can be on your uh, corporate board, you know, your corporate advisory boards, as happened with the president. And uh, I think... Uh, uh, I think corporations are just too scared. Uh, we saw the, the the Robert Lee incident with ESPN, an earlier uh, tennis commentator who was fired for referring to guerrilla uh, tennis in the in the lines of guerrilla warfare, a, a commonly used term, but he used it against one of the Williams sisters, so he was branded falsely a racist and was fired. And and the, the, the excuse is always, well, we don't think that this person is a racist, or we don't think someone should be upset over this person's name, but gosh, we've got to worry about all those people out there who might be upset by it. And I think any corporation or, you know, would be, um, would stay away, and anybody who's in business, and maybe you could find some millionaire who, uh, who would do it, but uh, boy, it would take somebody with a lot of courage and a lot of uh, commitment to that cause, and I don't know that there's anyone out there like that. I, I see where you're coming from. Uh, I was uh, just spitballing there, Dr. Yeah. Allen. Uh, Un unfortunately, uh, that same effect is at play with the Nathan Bedford Forrest statue, <laughs> where the KKK do want to support that statue, do want to keep it up and so somehow <laughs> like, what like they yeah. do adopt a highway yeah, things yeah, yeah. where for like five miles you know the invisible empire yeah and so so as, the glue clucks yeah. can land is like taking care of this stretch picking Jeez. up the litter uh yeah. on like i-80 or in and, West so, Virginia and so and so as a, and as unfortunate as i find it that they will work hard to keep that yeah. statue up uh, it, it does uh, make me suspect that as 
politically toxic it could be for certain groups. Nothing gets as politically toxic as that. And I th- I, I feel pretty confident you would find somebody with the courage to defend Thomas Jefferson. Well, maybe Jefferson, but I'm talking about some of these, uh, you know, some of the other monuments and so forth. Well, that- with Nathan Bedford Forrest, they'd have to have security there 24-7, 365. And I think they'd find after a while that it just wasn't worth it protecting the statue of that. And the reality of it is that, uh, I mean, I saw in in Slate magazine, which is, you know, uh, sort of a a respectable magazine, I suppose, founded by Microsoft uh, originally. And uh, uh, they had a thing the other day about the the crime of tearing down the statue in Durham uh, of a Confederate soldier. And the word crime was in quotation marks, meaning they obviously didn't consider it a crime. Uh, And of course, this was done by the uh, Workers' World Party which is a communist party, the communist party having uh, killed 100, 150 million people, uh, and yet these people are hailed as heroes because they uh, they tore down the statue, which, by the way, was to um, the Confederate soldiers, uh, and fewer than a third of Southern families actually had slaves, and you could buy your way out of the draft. So most of the soldiers, uh, uh, many of whom suffered grievous wounds if they weren't killed, uh, I think 90% of, uh, uh, of the soldiers uh, Soldiers under 30 uh, were suffered uh, suffered uh, grievous wounds uh, that that uh, or died, and uh, and the um, uh, uh, you know it was to the, it was to them, and it was put up years later. So it was sort of a you know the, these are our our fathers, these are our grandfathers who died in this war, uh, and uh, this is to memorialize them. It's not necessarily to the cause, but they tore it down anyway because they didn't really care what, what you know. Th- there's no nuance in this thing, and the, and the, and and the police are going to look the other way, and, and the cities are going to just just as they look the under other way when uh, Trump supporters are attacked uh, in in San Jose and so on. There's a lawsuit about that now. Um, local authorities are going to look, uh, or happened in Charlottesville, where uh, the police instead of keeping the two sides apart, as happened, uh, as Matthew and I witnessed when we went to the political conventions, and we saw the police, particularly in Cleveland, doing a great job of keeping the potentially violent uh, two sides uh, uh, separated from each other. That didn't happen. Uh, remember that Terry McAuliffe, a Clinton operative, is the governor of Virginia, and uh, and so you had a situation where the police didn't do their job, and, and I'm not blaming the police. They were doing what they were told to do, but that le- helped lead to the violence, uh, and uh, we've seen all the consequences. Any last words? Well, I think we should mention that uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, is trying to protect us from a speech she doesn't like. And so uh, with regard to a a peace protest that's uh, coming up, a a prayer protest, which, by the way, uh, according to its sponsor, has eight speakers of whom one is a a white guy, as as it's determined, and one is a transsexual and so on, uh, various groups represented. But uh, Nancy Pelosi has decided that this is a white supremacist event. And so she said that uh, this could be banned based on on the principle that you uh, can't uh, cry wolf in a crowded theater, which shows you that the the former Speaker of the House and would-be Speaker of the House, if the Democrats won the election, uh, that that this is someone who doesn't even know what the term uh, uh, shouting uh, fire in a crowded theater is. But by the way, that's not actually the correct quote, the way it's usually used to justify crackdowns on free speech. It's actually uh, uh, shouting falsely shouting 
fire in a crowded theater. And by the way, it was written by Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr., who's one of the fathers of uh, progressivism, liberalism in America. Uh, same guy who said that people like me uh, could be involuntarily sterilized because we're inherently inferior. Uh, in the Buck, you, Buck you v. Bell Southerners? case, uh, mountain people, mountain people in the South. Uh, Buck v. Bell. Anybody can look it up. Carrie Buck was the woman in the case, the main woman. And um, uh, anyway, uh, he and he when he wrote this, he was defending the government's action in charging under the Espionage Act members of the Socialist Party who sent anti-war flyers to draftees. So in other words, the anti-war protests were being shut down. So Nancy Pelosi is using a court case that justified arresting people for being against a war. Uh, and, uh, and she's using that. And by the way, it was overturned in 1969, specifically in a case involving a Klan speech that the government can't willy-nilly shut down a speech, no matter how odious and disgusting the speech, uh, unless there's an imminent threat of violence, meaning the person is saying, hey, go attack that guy. Well, Steve, like I don't think anyone has ever accused Nancy Pelosi of being <laughs> Mensa material. <laughs> All right. And by the way, her father is the mayor of Baltimore, um, dedicated a Confederate memorial, as I understand it. So uh, that's an interesting little twist to the story. Okay, that's our show for this week. We'll be back next week. Actually, we won't be next, back next week because I will be in Texas. Uh, we will be back in Yeehaw! two weeks. Dang. Uh, and we hope you'll join us. If you're not already, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and follow us on social media at Capital Research Center on Facebook and YouTube and at Capital Research on Twitter. I'm Dr. Stephen J. Allen. And I'm Matthew Vadum. And I'm Jake Klein. Thanks for listening.